Hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 196. Oof. Oof. Yes, that's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it is. 196 on Sunday the 22nd of August. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Matt. And tonight we've got Nigel Howitt here from uh, The Lawful Rebel. How are we doing, Nigel? Yeah, very good, guys. Glad to be with you tonight. It's our, it's our pleasure. Um, you also do a podcast, Living Outside the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, that's the bi-weekly podcast and uh, just sort of look at things that are generally, you know, not in the mainstream or that are turned upside down on the mainstream, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've got the, uh, you can just, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see the uh, the web address there, no www's, just lawfulrebel.com, and you've got a ton of information on there about all sorts of wild and interesting topics. I mean, what's? why don't you start by giving us a bit of background and sort of how you ended up on this journey and becoming a lawful rebel? Yeah, gosh, well, it, it, it started really with, with uh, just trying to live my own life as, as we all want to, you know, just kind of get, trying to get on and do what I want, not be messed around with. And and uh, and trying to live on my own land, and um, got into a bit of a tangle with the government because uh, I wanted them to prove that I needed their permission to do so, but they wouldn't play ball really. They wouldn't listen to me. And cut a long story short, um, it, it became apparent that we're not as free as we'd like to think we are in this country, in in the, on British Isles at least, and and that, that really bothered me. So uh, I mean, it, that wasn't. Right at the beginning of it, nine eleven kind of got me thinking about things. But, but yeah, that's when I knew that I was effectively some kind of rebel because I realised that the government was undoubtedly my adversary in this situation. I hesitate to use the word, you know, that begins with E. <laughs> but but in, in some respect, yeah, they're, they're my adversary. And as soon as that's clear, that that sets the whole context for you know if, if you want to if you want to live for the values that you value that freedom and, and the things that you want as soon as you know who your enemy is there i've said it um you know it, it helps make it easier because you know where you stand you know you're not like to get uh, you're not like to behave inappropriately so yeah that, that that's that's really kind of what drives it phil that sort of uh, experience yeah what I've, I've heard from a lot of people in the states who want to um start living off the grid is they run into all sorts of difficulties and things like zoning laws are invoked and um you know various states will sort of make it as difficult as possible to just you know you would think it should be so easy just buy a plot of land set you know set yourself up and just keep yourself to yourself i mean what was what was like the 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 state's arguments against you setting up like this well (laughs) 
just it's just because you haven't got their permission it's outside of their control structure i mean you know it, it, it is alarming that it isn't as easy as you say it should be and indeed in america the land of homesteading you know you can, you went out there you grabbed a bit of land and you homesteaded that was it that was your claim and that's that is a, it's a people don't realize it's a fundamental uh, litmus test of your freedom is to be able to do what you like on your own piece of turf you know mm. um it's the ultimate expression of property rights. That's your bit. You own it. Nobody can tell you what to do on it. So, so it's the ultimate yardstick of freedom is, is if you've got any property rights, you know, they, they must be manifest in land rights. Yeah. And we've never really had them in, here on the British Isles, um, but they, had, they had, did have them in the States. And even now, as you say, you know, it, it's being taken away hand over fist and the fe- federal government seems to sort of scoop up land. I, I'm not really expert on what's going on over there, but we're losing our freedom. It's just another manifestation of, I suppose, realising, in fact, the freedom that we never had. Particularly here in the, in the United Kingdom, it's really important to, to know that the land's never really been you know, owned by us. It just, it just, just isn't the, uh, the um, you know, peasants on the land, the feudal um, stuff. And and nowadays, the government requires you to have, to to live in a designated uh, sort of house. You know, it's it's a residency. Mm. It's a special box on the map marked someone lives here. And and the government would lose control if people started living everywhere. You know, they, 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 it's a, just a control thing, really. Yeah. What was what did your life look like before this? <laughs> well, it, it's been a bit of a crazy one foot in in two worlds because I worked as an airline pilot for twenty five years, so so I had to have my normal hat on, um, as it were, at work. Um, but I've always wanted to sort of, I've always wanted to do my own thing on my own piece of land, and I happen to have a piece, uh, and so I was always very sort of tilted towards getting out in the woods, as it were. So I've I've, I've had one foot in two different worlds for a yeah. while which has been quite interesting <laughs> i mean that I, I don't know anything about airline pilots but it strikes me that the the uh that's more of a, a way of life uh than a job I, I imagine you'd spend a lot of time away from your family and it's be particularly a particularly high pressure job as well yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be. It just depends on the context. Um, it can be a very high workload job. It, it is these days for, for Ryanair and EasyJet pilots. Oh, yeah. Bloody hard work. Um, it, it's very lifestyle dependent. You can you can be doing sort of, you know, wall-to-wall high short sectors in bad weather in Europe, or you could be going out to the Caribbean and having a week layover, you know, and coming back a week later with a suntan. So, so there's two very different sort of lifestyles you could have associated with, with, with that job. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I always thought there was something more important um, really to be dealing with than just a job. And, uh, and I, I did very much enjoy that uh, that career for a while but th- there's just more important things i think phil and and i always knew that somehow there was a there was a, a mission to be you know not wishing to sort of over grandiose it but but there, there was there was something more important to attend to do you know what i mean than just having a job and luckily you know if you can be in the position to sort of follow your true desires it's it's like well, why not you know so 
So I'm now an organic farmer <laughs> and a podcaster. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's sort of part of the system that we're brought up into, isn't it? We were born and then we go to a nursery and then a state school and then maybe university. And then you're expected to settle down, get married, get a job and hopefully, you know, retire at 60, 65 or something. And, you know, for a lot of people, their land, their land, their life is sort of planned out for decades in advance. And I'm, I, yep. I can definitely uh, empathize with what you're saying about it's, you know, none of that stuff really means anything. <laughs> I mean, like the, the sort of tangible stuff that people usually go to work for. I mean, I, I would say... 80, 90% of people don't enjoy the job, but they'll, no. they spend, you know, a good 40 hours a week doing it, and it's just a means to an end. And, yeah, you've definitely, this question of work-life balance is certainly something that you've addressed, isn't it? It, it, it it's really difficult i think for most people these days because we're really in a sort of a wedge situation aren't we everyone's sort of uh, cost of living going up everyone's sort of squeezed and 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 it, it it's difficult but 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 if you can if you can sort of get a you know good work-life balance it, it's essential isn't it and i mean it's 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 quite it's quite frail as well i think in, in some respects our situation here we we do what we do you know we've got a small organic farm so we sort of ply away, make our livelihood, and it's just sort of scrapes by. But it, you don't get the impression that that you're really helped. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not or, or you know, I shouldn't say helped, but just the the monkey on your back that is government often sort of uh, becomes a bit of a problem. But um, yeah, it's it, work life balance is important, and uh, yeah, everyone should strive to do that. Well, it's this question of value, isn't it? Um, uh, some you know some people get to a stage in their life and they come to a realization that the things that they were spending their time on aren't valuable and there are so many more uh ways you could spend your time that would be more yeah. valuable or meaningful and that's Absolutely. something i came to I, I think this is a sorry to, to cut yeah. you off the floor. I, I think this is an interesting um interesting aspect of what i call matrix is that um most people buy into the values that are sort of out there in our culture don't they most people if, if, if they if they want to know what to do they sort of reach for that stereotypical model of how to live and the things you're supposed to achieve and tick off and 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 this is where i think you know in, in where you can achieve independence of values it, it's so really liberating to not feel that you have to follow what everybody else does, you know, in that conventional lifestyle. It's really refreshing if you can get off that completely and, you know, totally go your own way. And it, and it is an issue of values, as you say. How Sorry, do, you, do you think that maybe the the education system, the state-run, I should say, education system is one of the main drivers of keeping people stuck in this sort of mindset? Yeah, I, th I think it, it has had a massive part to play in dumbing down the education system. There's a whole lot of issues that, that, that could be looked at there. But also, it's as rife in media such as film and stories and government propaganda. The whole narrative is so interwoven um, and laden with implicit ideas. You know, there's there's so much... There's so much... Uh, effective control exerted even even without the classroom influence i think 
because we seem to be in an age where, where people don't think that they have to think for themselves anymore. They, 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 our culture seems utterly disinterested in the idea of self-reliance and independence. It's all sort of put your feet up and drift along in the information age. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's quite dangerous really. Well, yeah, that's well evidenced from the last 18 months, isn't it? When uh, we've talked before, haven't we? We think that a lot of people actually enjoy being told what to do. The fact that that sort of, that what do you call it, that stripping of responsibility. Well, it's taking away choice, isn't it? I think that's the way, (laughs) what's his name? Michael uh, Crawford, was it? The philosopher. Michael B. Crawford. Yeah. Um, was sort of saying that he thinks it, it comes down to that there's too much choice. So he, he kind of sums things up by saying um, that the government removing that choice, that's why people kind of buy into it. So, you know, you have to stay at home. Um, you can only do these this amount of things. Um, it removes that from you. And that's that, his kind of explanation for that was that it, it, it removes the choice for people. And that's exhausting basically yeah i think people are weighed down with too much choice i mean it's probably part of the, the strategy mm. but, but the one thing that we must exert our own power of choice in is the field of values you know deciding what's important because because that, that 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 is so key you know as soon as you just buy into what somebody else tells you is important you know I mean, my, my kids are into fidget uh, things at the moment you know it was fidget spinners now it's all sorts of pointless plastic stuff that you can fidget with that pops and makes noises and spins and it's it's garbage that you can get preoccupied with you know? <laughs> And, and somehow this is a big deal among young people now, you know, and, and yeah. they've been convinced that it's a value. And, and you know, uh, at the moment they're quite young and it's not really the right time for me to tell them this. It's just a part of a shite and they've been duped. <laughs> but, I, I, but I do hope that one day they get it because adults yeah. should see that, you know, when, when you buy into something that's just a, you know, a load of hot air, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's it, I think it can only result in that tendency to just follow along with the group set of values, mm. you know, and, and whether or not we choose to, to uh, you know, have conventional jobs or, or, or believe in climate change or, or, or be a proud meat eater or not join the, the vegetarian club, anything that goes against that sort of tidal wave of, of, of cultural influence is, is, is pretty difficult to do these days, isn't it? No, yeah, and I think there's um, there's a parallel there between that that fidget spinner or whatever it is that your kids are into, and and kind of social media as well. Oh, have we lost. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me now, guys? All oh, right, yeah, yeah. We're just having a bit yeah. of a, we're having a bit of a choppy time with the uh, internet, which mm. is unusual. But all I've done is shut the mm. window, and it seems to have calmed down now. Right. Okay. Doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe no, it's not my end. No, oh, no. I, I think we only got my son playing with his game. <laughs> I think I think I've fixed it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of I rebelled quite a bit at school, and I didn't like the fact that I had to wear a uniform or I had to be at such a place at such a time, and I had to do homework. And uh, yeah, I pretty much stopped going for a, a large chunk of it. And I think, yeah, I think school is an important part of sort of uh, instilling this conformity mm. while they're young. 
Yeah, and it's a kind of a, I think it's a bit outdated now. Well, in some ways, isn't it? I, I, you know, it was kind of born just after the, or during the Victorian era. So, like, you, you can even make those again parallels between ringing the bell and the factory, yeah. and the, the bell at the factory, and you know, you have your break and all the rest of it, and it's just like the same for when you sort of go to work. Um, but I'm not. I, in some ways, you know, the information age is kind of breaking that down a little bit in terms. You know, some people are against um, what's the kind of term where people kind of just work bit part jobs and hours and stuff, doing lots of different things, um, and see that as a negative for obvious. You know, for for quite the the um, gig economy. Yeah, quite um, reasonable reasons, I guess. But then other people do come out and and kind of defend it, don't they? Because it allows them to sort of work around what they're actually interested in doing and value, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think the the big the big important thing to remember with school, its big negative, if you like, is the fact that it's coercive, and and that it, it's it you don't really have any choice. There's no choice whether or not to be there. There's, there might be a throw a bone to choice and let you choose a few subjects, you know, something like that. But really, you know, it, it's it's effectively something that you must do. You must be there, and 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 I think that really helps destroy the concept of wanting to learn and find out it really has a negative impact i think on you know life should be all about learning every day you should learn something new ideally but of course when you've when you've experienced 12 years of school you've had enough and you just you just want to put that terrible experience behind you you know so uh, yeah i think the fact that it's coercive is 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 its worst thing if if, if school all lessons and classes uh, uh were voluntarily voluntary you could choose when to go i think that that really really changes things so uh, mm. i mean we we home educate our children my wife and i we we we, we don't think that their best interests are served by being in school i mean particularly not now with potentially them getting you know experimentally experimental uh, medical treatments imposed on them even without parental consent and knowledge so now's a really good time to be home educating and not have your kids in school if they're 12 and above but but yeah just going off on one but um yeah school i think is uh, is is, uh, is definitely a big part of the problem for and, sure. it, and it seems that like it, it's just sort of evolved into uh sort of a a factory uh not a factory line what they call it a production line. production line yeah for the workplace it's like the the gcse's i mean the reason they have the gcse exams it seems to me is so employers can segregate you know the smarter kids from or the more academic kids i should say not smarter the more academically inclined kids from the less academically inclined kids and or the kids who are, have a particular propensity for maths mm. or whatever you know it's I, I think the it seems to me that the education system is is just it's like that it's just geared to spit out kids and make it easier for employers to uh, decide who they're going to hire yeah very much so and, and another thing about modern education is is that you know you you you'd have to really ask the question what, what are we educating them for what are we getting the children ready for what kind of life what kind of jobs and you know with the difficulty of being able to look into the future particularly now as well and and see something you know it's just it's just like a wild stab in the dark isn't it to to 
to think that they're learning stuff that people think, you know, is going to be appropriate when they, you know, I, I speak from experience of having like a 10, 11 year old and a 13 year old. And imagine another 10 years when they're out, you know, goodness knows what's going to be happening out there. And it certainly doesn't look good when you look at the political situation we're in. School just seems this wild shot in the dark, doesn't it? I was going to say, go to the World Economic Forum website, you'll get a pretty good idea where we'll be in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Anal swab tests and uh, yeah. you'll, own, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. man. It is pretty depressing that I mean it's uh, and but it, it it's one of these things people should know about, isn't it? This World Economic Forum and their agenda and what they're saying because they're very influential, and uh, it is sadly not on most people's radar or, or, or not a part of their knowledge yet. But it should be, shouldn't it? Well, the thing the the thing is, if they've done a, such a good job, if you bring this up, you're just labelled as a conspiracy theorist. Mm. You know, just for having the audacity to have a look at what the United Nations or the WEF is up to, or the Club of Rome, whatever. And, uh, you know, they've done a very good job of, um, what would you say, what's the word? It's not ostracising people for for taking views that, you know, seem seem quite matter-of-fact to me about what could may or may not be going on. But, I mean... I was going to say, I, I think um, a lot of what's the things that you mentioned, one of the things that you mentioned is critical thinking that seems to be lacking. Maybe you should tell us a bit more about that. And, you know, with all the information that's flowing about, you know, good and bad, it's, it's critical thinking and the process of discernment which keeps coming up with us is something we need to be uh, better at, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. I... I... I think uh, our lack of thinking skills, you know, individually and and culturally, are are a big part of not only the problem but also also the solution. It kind of shows us where we can where we can fix things. But um, I, I got really interested in 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 the in fundamentals, in thinking in terms of principles and thinking in terms of fundamentals through through the work of Ayn Rand. She really left me with that education of go go right to the root, you know, of the tree. Um, and so that that got me in, into into pursuing thinking and reason and and logic and proving things, and yeah, I think thinking skills thinking skills are lacking because most people just think that what they do with their consciousness is thinking, and they don't take it any any anywhere beyond that. They assume that's thinking. And then when they hear somebody like me saying, you know, people aren't thinking, they think, well, that's crazy. You know, I'm thinking all day. I can't stop myself thinking sometimes, you know, that old mental chatter. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, we have to sort of start by discerning what we, what we mean by it. And, of course, you've said critical thinking, which is, which is a good way of, of sort of pointing it to reasoning, you know, inferring, thinking, asking questions, you know, um, this sort of thing. Um, rather than remembering stuff, rather than musing, pondering, reliving memories and, and or worrying about something, these sorts of things aren't necessarily thinking. So, so yeah, it's important to to know what we're what we're talking about. We're talking about purposeful mental activity, and Rand identified thinking as a process of identification. All thinking, she said, was a process of identification and integration, which is sort of like thinking oh yeah okay i've grasped what this thing is and then integrating accumulated knowledge into the sum total of your 
worldview. Oh. And and it, it's it's really it's really interesting to to uh, look at the, the the fundamental requirements of, of something like critical thinking is the fact that it's it, you have to choose to do it. It's volitional. And, and this is the, the sort of first hurdle that most people stumble at, because if you risk when you start off down this road of thinking and inquiry, if you risk uncovering some really unpleasant truths that mean that you then have to rethink your whole map of reality <laughs> and turn your whole life upside down, start again. You know, most people are really, really reluctant to do that, even if on a subconscious level, they'll just not know why they're not interested <laughs> But you know what I mean? So, so, so this thing of uh, volition, this, you've got to want to know. You've got to really want to find stuff out. You'll let, want to understand independently, not just know someone who can tell you, although that might help in forming your, your knowledge, but you've got to really, yeah, you've got to want to, to seek some sort of personal understanding. And, 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 and that is the key aspect, I think, of critical thinking, of all kinds of thinking, that there are a whole host of reasons why some people want to know and vast swathes of others just don't. They just don't. And, and that's a that's a big stumbling block, you know, in terms of trying to move forward. And it's it's psychologically painful, like you said, when you uncover those truths that yeah. you don't want to acknowledge. It's a lot easier just to pretend you didn't see it or to, to stop and not go any further because... Isn't that what they call cognitive dissonance? Yeah. Well, co yeah, cognitive dissonance is, is sort of, uh, yeah, you know, you've got a worldview and you're seeing information that contradicts it or, or vice versa, any kind of contradiction, trying to reconcile contradictions and, and, and the sort of brain scramble that most people go into. Um, and interestingly enough, it shouldn't really be such an alarm signal, but of course it does feed into this thing that most people don't want to revise their worldview. They don't want to do that. That there's enough uncertainty already in my life. Thank you. Don't, don't make me go there. And, and unfortunately, you know, you and I and your listeners are probably aware that that's that's uh, you know, it, it's it's trying to do a sort of shortcut that's just short circuiting it. You're, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. But uh, yeah, you, you've 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 really got to you've got to switch yourself on and, and want to know. You've got to be very deliberate about it, and 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 that involves. Um, reassessing values again and and being able to say well hang on it's more important to upset the apple cart and start again than it is to keep clinging to this model that's crumbling sinking anyway <laughs> it is a singing ship and you know that that phrase how much do you need to suffer springs to mind a lot of people for, for most human beings it seems suffering is the most effective teacher at sort of turning up that volume when, until people say right let's fix the problem <laughs> you know that, that's that's the difficulty but more people have got to make that transition i think and and want to know one of the um the the best realizations i had to help with this sort of thing was um turning off the tv uh i wasn't i stopped going to football matches i sort of started gradually chipping uh, pruning back all these other things that were um eating up that time you only have so much room in your head and you're there are all, all sorts of other things competing for your attention and yeah. you need to get rid of some of those to give yourself the space to then you know either start reading maybe on the subject yeah. 
There's, there are these things called books. Never. But yeah, they used to be huge. Not so much anymore. Not many about now. But <laughs> but there's just so much competing for our attention, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And when it again comes down to that reshifting re, re, re of values, you know, do you perhaps zoom away from placing your attention on following the football or the you know basketball or whatever it is and spend that time on something else? Again, that's a that's a reassessment of values. What's most important? What's not so important? Let's get everything in order. Um, but but one, yeah. One of the things I realise is that a lot of these other things um, trying to claim your attention are passive. Whereas things like critical thinking and reading are more active. Yeah. And you get and so much more out. Yeah, <laughs> they're harder to do, harder to maintain, but um, ultimately more infinitely more rewar- rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have um, a challenge at the moment with my two young sons, um, nine and 13. And they Those just funny names. <laughs> nine and 13. Tea's nine ready, nine. <laughs> And the, they are really into their games. They're, they're you know, that they, they love that. And they could easily, you know, like like the sort of kid in the sweet shop could just stay and eat in the sweet shop all their life sort of thing. They could just spend all of their time on, on, on these things. They are so appealing to uh, an, uh, an easy an easy high effectively um, that doesn't it doesn't take so much proactive effort as getting up and doing something, you know, perhaps making a tree house or you know, a go-kart, <laughs> that takes a lot more effort than playing on a great game that's been designed, you know, it's been honed over decades to be really good. So, uh, yeah, these devices are really, really good, I think, at sucking us into inactivity, aren't they, effectively? Mm. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, a bit to do with sort of like delaying gratification, isn't it? So, you know, if you're building a treehouse, it's probably going to take you longer than sort of like 20 minutes to put it up, <laughs> go and play in it and get that sense of achievement and look at it, come back down. But if you're playing a game, you know, I imagine you're collecting stuff all the time. You're getting that constant reward feeding back in, you know, and like you said, and then you get to an end of a level and then you get to the end of a group of levels. Then you go to a different part of the story. And, you know, that's that instant gratification straight away, isn't it? The the game's stacked against you Mm. because these big tech companies, I've said millions of times, they, they employ psychologists. Yeah. You know, to make their platforms as addictive as possible. And the same goes with the media, advertisement, propaganda on the news. You know, you've got the the odds are not in your favour. They're stacked against you. That's why it's so difficult, isn't it? Like you, you, you term it as getting out of the matrix. I mean, it really is. It is, and there's another example where, where um, you know, thinking long-term is a major uh, symptom of being rational and, and critical thinking and, 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 and organising yourself. It's a really important thing to do. But, but we can see right there, kids are, are discouraged from, you know, the building the treehouse activity. Absolutely, it's a long-term project. Uh, the sort of thing that would probably only happen in the absence of there being other games to play, <laughs> but it's uh, a potentially really instructive and fun thing yeah. to do, but it just can't compete, can it, against, you know, like you said, the short-termness of, of, of the games. And, and, and we're seeing now, you know, people don't think long-term. It's, it, it's, it's manifesting through. So th- thinking long-term, spotting implications, seeing what things are going to be like or, or, or having an idea of what things might be like, of course, it depends on, on a lot of things, you know, five, ten years from, from now. You know, this, this is another failure of our thinking. And 
we could we could go on all night about <laughs> thinking. <laughs> but, but that's that is uh, why I'm I'm you know so it's a passionate really about this stuff because I think we've we've become quite dumbed down more so than we really really appreciate. I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely, and I think the, the media as well. I mean, it's changed so much the landscape over the last ten years. Think of things like Netflix, the on-demand. I mean, that's another mm. step down this road of instant gratification where yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I got home from school. When I went, I got home from school and there would be like an hour of kids' TV. Yeah. And then at half five, that was it. Your TV was done and then it was <laughs> Neighbours and the News at <laughs> Six and the, the adult programmes. Whereas now, uh, you could, a kid can watch TV 24 hours a day. Mm. Or if it's on Netflix, at the click of a button. This, it's a huge, we don't stop and think about how, mm. how amazing these changes are and what effects they could be having on us on, in the long yeah. term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they are. And they are really amazing effects. And they, they're, very, uh, they're very enjoyable. It's very easy to, to, to get lost in them. Mm. And I think this is part of, I don't know whether this has a de- been a deliberate play or whether it's just the way things are, but it makes it harder, I think, for adults to really be adults and sort of zoom out and see their lives in context and sort of think, hang on, what am I doing here? You know, how am I mm. spending my time? It, 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 there are more things to get lost in. Like you said, Netflix, stick a film on. You can watch films all the time as adults. You can just get home, switch off, watch a film. Or you could live a life that was engaged and and i think i'm not against watching films don't get me wrong i'm i'm, I'm all for you know all sorts of entertainment but i think it's 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 uh, important for us to prioritize again and you know it's actually fun getting into finding stuff out and being labeled a conspiracy theorist all all the detectives are conspiracy theorists and i consider myself a detective a detective so i you know i'm a truth-seeking detective i'm looking for truth you know, I don't mind being called a conspiracy theorist. I think we need to we need to reclaim that term. <laughs> we I, really do. I prefer it's, I prefer conspiracy analyst. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, uh, you have to you have to listen to all things, don't you, Phil? You've got to consult all of sci- all, all theories, all views uh, on any particular issue. And if the mainstream view says that, fine, you know, we, we should take that on board. But the, if there's somebody else that's saying that's nonsense and here's why, then, you know, I'm, I'm all ears. I think, uh, and I, I think any rational, rational person has to, has to be prepared to, uh, you know, say, I don't care if I'm going to be called a tin foil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. I need to examine this argument because yeah, that's yeah. really what it's about. It's about I mean, following the argument. It, it should ring alarm bells when all the mainstream outlets, news outlets, newspapers, online publications are all giving you one message and then there's a small amount of sort of independent creators giving you a different message or and they're getting censored. Mm. That should ring alarm bells. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it, it will ring alarm bells for a certain percentage of our culture. Um, and I, But I think, sadly, the remaining very large percentage, you know, possibly in the 90s, uh, on, 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 it's just going to, you know, they're just going to be tuned into the mainstream narrative. And as soon as the mainstream narrative says this, then that's what they're going to go with. And I think we've actually seen that 
be proven on several issues, several sort of major issues over the years. Yeah. I personally consider climate change to be the last greatest sort of coup. I mean, almost everyone buys into climate change and CO2 being a problem. Now, I can't see the actual case for that. When you look at the evidence, I can't see there's a case for it. It seems upside down to me. That seems that's totally not the case. But that's just an example of where I think these huge huge big whoppers have been sold so you know you could you could go on and on but but i think the, the public has, has has proved itself to be completely susceptible and manipulatable to if the guy behind the green curtain pulls the right levers and the show says that then that's what people go with and, and that's a sad lookout for where we're going but i think that's inevitably the reality we're dealing with i don't know what, what you think I came to this realization not too long ago, and that, um, that well, the famous uh, maxim you hear from conspiracy theorists is "Wake up, sheeple!" <laughs> you know, and uh, I've come to the sort of conclusion that nah, that ain't that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's only a certain amount of people who have got their head on a swivel and who, who have the inclination to look at things differently, and yeah. most people will just. Um, capitulate they'll just roll over for an easy life yep there's an an important aspect of the educational system which which uh, has an effect where people are less and less over over decades less and less able to sort of think in terms of abstractions they're more concrete bound you know they're less able to think in in principles uh to to spot patterns and 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 things and it's and it's, it's very much a sort of a uh it very much limits your capacity to see the big picture but but in schools you sort of you endlessly see various subjects taught in sort of isolated bubbles and and no connections are made to anything else in the real world so so minds are, are not being trained to join the dots to form a mental map of reality that's consistent and not self-contradictory uh, all the, these sorts of things so education has been been it, pushing people to be more sort of concrete bound over decades. And, and I think as a result, most people just haven't got the cognitive skills to grasp the true nature of what's going on on planet Earth at the moment. They just haven't got the capacity. And when you add in the fact that they're probably scared to even go to the edge and look over anyway, um, you know, that doesn't add up to a big optimistic situation. <laughs> don't want to bring you guys down or anything. But oh, but that, um, like you say in the schools, that transfers r- right to like the pinnacle of the academy because we've talked about this before, about how science has become so hyper-specialised Mm-hmm. And there's no no one synthesizing these different subjects together. We've had it with like Egypt talking to Egyptologists and stuff, haven't we? It's like the Egyptologists don't talk to the the guys who are experts in ancient Manoa. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's like there there are, there are bits of crossover, but it seems to be getting more and more narrow and more specialized. And there's nothing mm-hmm. like you said, no one joining up the dots. 
Yeah, it should be joined up because because reality is all joined up, and and yeah. our and our minds and our knowledge should all be joined up in reflecting that. And and again, this concrete boundness is the opposite to 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 you know uniting these concepts and seeing how they relate the relationships of things to one another, which is our, our way of you know really understanding what the flip's going on. Mm-hmm. And and I think people are generally less and less able to do that. And as you said, it seems to be manifesting in our culture, which it it would. But but yeah, it's um, it doesn't kind of look too good. I, I find it doesn't really look good um, when I look to the immediate future in the context of always, you know, pandemic and stuff. Because people are people are just very. Or the ma- mainstream narrative seems to have people by the, uh, you know, it's got them right where it wants them. Yeah. Where do you think things are going to go over, like you know, the near term? Have you have you thought deeply? About- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have, Phil. I mean, I, I think for, if for no other reason, I'm trying to plan my own life and I, I want my children to survive and thrive and have grandchildren. You know, this is my personal interest in my life and everything. I want that to happen. And that makes me think long term. And I'm really concerned about the the continuing slide into statism and collectivism that we're seeing in this country. You know, people People have observed it's pretty much communism here in England anyway, although it, it might not look that like that. They haven't sort of exercised all of the things that, that are sort of in the bag yet. It, it's still, you know. But anyway, the, the long-term outlook, I think, for this country is, is, is bleak. It's less and less and less freedom, and it, there's going to be more and more, I think, medical martial law, effectively, with needing to be you know, needing to have on your certificate that you're free of this, 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 and this before you can even leave this zone and travel into the next zone, you know? Goodness knows, I mean, there's scope. They they can take this as far as they want, and what they've got is everybody buying into the narrative of the nasty V thing, and it can mute into something, mutate into something else. We can have variants. We can have whole new viruses. There's a whole new sort of fairy story that everybody's bought right into so it's, it's like a slam dunk it's like they've they've got us because all they need to do is say ah the fear level's gone up this is a really scary virus you know and 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 it will justify in the stupid public's eyes okay well we'll have to give up more freedoms then you know <laughs> i can't see it going anywhere else phil i don't mean to be really pessimistic but i think we have to be realistic and 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 really think what what could be the worst that can happen here so we can act appropriately you know and it, it might not even necessarily be another virus i mean i'm tracking this sort of pivot to climate change that seems to be on the horizon with the media messaging that we're getting and uh potential climate lockdowns in our future which i i i'm almost probably going to find hilarious because i think people will do it but it's it, that's the way it seems to be going for me the way the messaging is changing i would say in the last three months or so yeah and the 15 minute city is it is that oh this is a yeah concept the 15 minute city where yeah as a family you'll live in this block and you'll be within 15 minutes walking distance of all your amenities that you might possibly need Mm -hmm. yeah but that's that's more sort of united nations agenda Agenda 21 yeah yeah yeah. it's more sort of smart cities and uh you know, your you population centres will be condensed and then you'll have rewilding areas surrounding them, no-go zones. 
Mm, yeah, you know. I can see that. I can see all this happening, Phil. I really can, which is alarming. Uh, you know, uh, well, it's out in the open. They're not. Yeah. They're not hiding it. <laughs> That's yeah. what they want to do. Nightmare. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it makes me. Uh, I mean, I have got a plan actually to to leave the country. Essentially, my fallback plan, if it becomes if my life becomes untenable uh, on this piece of turf, then I have a plan to you know go elsewhere. And um, you know, I, I almost think that that's something that all uh, rational men should consider. They should they should at least. Uh, remind themselves that they need to be t- paying sufficient attention that they've satisfied themselves that it's safe to to you know to stay. I would say. I mean, it, it all depends on you know on on uh, on everything on resources and all sorts of things. But yeah. um, I, I hear Mexico's nice. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult. I mean, we're all in different circumstances, but you know, when when, when we're talking about the potential of having. Um, having these uh, experimental medical treatments inflicted upon us or to be so squeezed that life's impossible without joining in on the mass madness. Um, I, I'm not going to let my children be subject to that and over my dead body. So, so, uh, so literally running away is, is, uh, is the ultimate, um, ultimate remedy to that and uh you know it would be really tragic to have to get to that but you know no exactly i I, I love this country i wouldn't want to leave you know but um it comes to this question of principles which is something that is missing for most people most people don't consider or take any time to think about founding principles that maybe they should have and they should stick to and I think mine have evolved, and they probably change. I, I don't; they're not set in stone. But at least I try and think that I have some sort of moral principle that I think, well, this is a line that I'm not going to cross, and I'm not going to support X, Y, or Z, Z policy because it's sort of fundamentally grates on me. It just isn't right, you know. This is yeah. something that people don't think about. No. How do you establish them? It, it, it's difficult to, uh, you know, to know what to do when you're sort of facing a rising tide of something, you know, obviously one doesn't want to, uh, you know, as the tsunami's coming in, you don't want to sort of run away and let the rising waters take take your, you know, wash all your interests away. You don't want to, to have to do that tactical retreat. But, uh, you know, sometimes it just depends what's the ultimate thing. And, and as I said, for me, the ultimate thing is avoiding that experimental, uh, being part of the great experiment. Uh, and that is the survival of, of my family. It's the very survival of it. So it doesn't get much more important to that. And, 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 and guided by that, that's the principle I take as the top of the, you know, most important thing. That, that to me, unfortunately, makes me swallow the bitter pill of thinking a tactical tactical relocation to another part of the planet <laughs> might be a might be in order for for a period of time you know it just it's all that's uh, that's just come to me actually about the the uh, the gene therapy because you can clear this up for me being an ex-pilot is it <laughs> is it true um that on airlines the pilot and the co-pilot would never have the same meal uh no no there were times when that rule has been flouted <laughs> oh, right. probably generally most of the time it's 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 done as a matter of uh sort of common sense but uh, that i do know of times when you know that that, that hasn't been stuck to that's that's movies lying to me again <laughs> 
they're, they're both at pretty high risk eating the airline food anyway. You know. <laughs> 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 Shit. Do you, um... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, um, do you think I'm, I'm detecting that the sort of rolling back a bit uh, when it comes to the the jabbing kids? Do you, do you think it's do you think it's going to happen? Do you think they're going to go right down the age range? I think that any um, sort of withdrawal we see on issues such as this are our only tactics. It's like a fish hook line being played. And, and you know, people are always massively reassured when nasty measures are retracted, but, you know, then turn your back and two years later it's popped up on the agenda again somewhere, you know. So, so I'm, 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 I'm quite cautious of things like that and reading them as a good sign. Ah, look. The problem's going away, you know. I'm yeah. I, I'm not sure that that's the case. So uh, I think that it would be consistent with everything else that I know and of my understanding of the agenda that they'd want to increase that. Uh, they, they'd like that sort of treatment to become the norm, you know, with what they call boosters and all this sort of stuff. They, they want to ramp that up. That's a great means of invading the body. It's a, as soon as you've conceded to somebody doing that to you, you they, they, they've crossed the ultimate barrier. Whose body is it? Is it mine or is it yours? You know, and you've given up, you've given in. As soon as you said, I'll have, I'll line up and take that. That's such an important barrier to that you know the state shouldn't be allowed to cross and that's why i think they want to ram it down they want to keep doing it just to really knock the point in like like when everyone washes their hands they're implicitly standing on the premise there's something dangerous out there and i need to do this you know which you know my view is unsubstantiated there's no evidence that supports that there's a lot that contradicts it but every time you wear a mask every time you do a ritual that that implies something like there's a scary thing and they've got to protect yourself from it really does cement it in your head the action the ritual of going over it so it's reinforcing it every time isn't it really rams it home and and the repeated jabs and the boosters will will do just that so we've crossed the line we've crossed the line we've crossed the line you know and 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 when you add that to the scary list of things that are alleged to be in it and i'm not an expert so i don't know but personally i would never risk that cocktail being jabbed into me you know you don't have to know an awful lot about it you know watch a few few videos and think hmm you know you know yeah i had this um you know when they announced the passports for um nightclubs Mm. and um sort of my my thinking and i'm still probably about 60 40 is that this is the that announcement was pure coercion the only reason for that announcement was to to get the numbers for youngsters. I mean, like eighteen to thirty year olds to yeah. get them in in the queue, yeah. and that uh, it won't be sort of uh, it, it it won't be rolled out. Um, but I, I just don't know, and I, I don't trust them either way. Yeah. <laughs> the problem yeah, is, exactly. is that the precedent has been set now, hasn't it? All these measures that have been taken over yeah. the last eighteen months. Um, can be done again like uh, as long as there is a a chief medical officer willing to say that we need this to happen for the good of public safety and so we don't have the hospitals collapsing um yeah what was it lord sumption said he said our system's based on um what's it called (laughs) 
convention. Convention, that's the word, yeah. Well, yeah. mind read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, yeah. It's proper testing you tonight, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Leaving, leaving sentences <laughs> with one word missing. I'm just seeing if he's paying attention to his own podcast. <laughs> but yeah, our system's built on convention, and, and once, once these conventions are, are broken and a new precedent is set, there's no coming back from that. It's done. You know, yeah. the, it can always be reintroduced, and this is mm. this is yeah. what scared me about you know the the first lockdown back in April. It's like holy shit, this is yeah, this it's, is it's a putting huge the step on, on the country. It's literally applying the economic handbrake, saying you guys all go home, everyone stop, everyone everyone stand by your beds. We're all going to stop everything down. It's the government intervening to stop everything on a, a trumped up cause. And, and I don't say that lightly because if any, any of your listeners wanted to do the research and try and find the, the evidence of the virus and look into viral isolation and the work of Pasteur and Beauchamp and, you know, really delve down into that one to the fundamental nitty gritties, we find that the whole thing's bloody on a trumped up cause. So the government has set the precedent that they can put the, cultural handbrake on you can't go to gigs you can't gather you can't bloody do anything on a on on a a story like that so they they having as you said having uh the president having been set they can do that next week if they wanted to next month it doesn't matter mm. when they determine the time is right when their psychological um team you know what's that what's that uh set of offices near downing street <laughs> spy b or is it the behavioral behavioral insights team that's the one, the behavioural insights team. I, lo- I, love when, when... I love those guys. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? The behavioural insights team, the Tavistock Institute, you know, oh, all of these yeah, yeah, yeah. organisations. Su- of... Susan Mickey's one of our favourites. Yeah, she is, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. The communist. She's a signed up member of the Communist Party, isn't she? Yep, no problem there. No, I know, yeah. No. It's such a strange world that we've we've sort of ended up in isn't it Nigel it is it is it's it's um it's pretty damn you know alarming I would say and you know I I, I have a, a good friend who, who's sort of chosen an outside the matrix kind of lifestyle for a few years as well and um and he sort of took to the road in a nutshell he was more of an itinerant and uh you know we used to enjoy sort of sharing stories of our outside the matrix kind of lifestyles but unfortunately, it, it seems that ultimately the sort of uh, our freedom and capacity for happiness is sort of limited by the sort of the greatest of the political freedom that we have around us, like this cage sort of getting less and less over us. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no escape from it. You know, my mate couldn't escape from it being on the road. I can't I can't escape from it on my own piece of land. It's, it's like the ceilings lowering in one of those nightmare films, you know, where, where the room's sort of... <laughs> <laughs> trash <laughs> it seems there's no escape you know from from the increasing political confines that, that that's what i guess i'm saying mm. and and that that really concerns me and do any of you guys have kids do you are you family men yeah we both got two kids haven't we two boys yep right. the, yeah the best yeah boys, yeah. Are, boys are easier yeah <laughs> so you get that investment in in the future don't you i mean I'm same. I'm I'm very much a forward-looking person, and and that's what's really sort of been distressing for me over the last year is how, in my opinion, we've we've thrown our kids under the bus. Um, you know, 
for the for the the older generation and well just like talking about sort of like the lockdowns in a in a kind of a wider perspective i can't re- i can't remember the chain of like sandwich shops that it was but basically he sort of came out and said like it was it was against lockdowns basically and he said that he wouldn't it, the kind of quote was he wouldn't launch a new sandwich with like a without a cost benefit analysis so you know it's all about, isn't it? The lockdowns are all about, you know, um, making sure that the hospitals don't collapse, um, people live, and all the rest of it. But the consequences seem to be of a lockdown, sorry, and potentially unknown consequences at the when they sort of just said, right, we're going to do it. Um, but obviously, more apparent now are probably well, they are going to outweigh um, what the goal was in the first place well depending on what sort of perspective you take coming to the opinion that the nhs is finished that it'll never recover from this and i don't know if that was part of the plan but i think that's going to be the outcome i think more and more people are getting private health insurance Mm. there was a story in our local newspaper in lancashire and it was a young lad a 21 year old and uh, he was part way through having uh, braces fitted and he'd had, I think, the top brace fitted, but he needed um, two extractions from his jaw, two teeth out, to have the bottom fitted, the bottom brace fitted. And he got his appointment February 2023. I mean, that's that's no good. That's not a health service. Yeah. yeah that's I, a promise. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know. Well, I, we had I, one, didn't we? So... Uh, I don't know what it would have been normally, but one, my youngest son had sort of like um, recurrent ear ear infection, so he had to go. We kept going, taking to the the doctors or whatever, and then he had um, uh, antibiotics. Antibiotics. It didn't clear up, so he said, "Right, we'll have to refer you." And we got a referral. We got referred in January, and the appointment was in July. So it was six months to wait for this initial sort of screening. So God knows what happened in between. Or six months, and I, I imagine that normally it would be around six weeks would be like the maximum you would wait for like a generic appointment like that. I'd guess. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's all that kind of stuff as well, isn't it? And then what are the potential long term consequences for him? But you know, it's probably not life threatening. You know, but there's people coming out who <laughs> there's a famous one, isn't there? Is she called Sarah Harding? Oh, was from, in Ga- yeah, Girls Aloud. So she got breast cancer i think didn't she and because it wasn't treated it was it wasn't caught early that was terminal isn't it i think as far yeah, as i believe Ka- carol sikora is a very prominent oncologist in the media and and he's said he's seen papers and whatnot saying there could be fifty thousand excess cancer deaths in the next year or two mm. because yeah. of uh because of the nature of cancer being the earlier you get it the cheaper and easier it is to treat if if you delay hundreds of thousands of people at stage one and then they become stage two or stage three before they're treated then your survivability rate declines and but again it's like you said this none of this was taken into account yeah. it was just oh neil ferguson says five hundred and twenty thousand people are yeah. going to die yeah. you know oh my word you know i wonder if um i wonder if they use the same computers for their models as the climate change models that's what i want to know Probably. But what, what, in what sense do you think the NHS is finished there, Phil? You, you mentioned that you think they're finished. I mean, do you think it's going to go away or, or, or are they just in a funding crisis? I mean, what, what are you hinting at? I don't see how it can... Rec- I don't... I'm worried that it will be able to recover. Um, now, as far as um, people on the waiting list, 
it's only gone from 4.4 million, I think, to 5 point something, 5.3 million. But they reckon there are around 9 million people lost in the system who <laughs> would have come forward for an operation, but because everything was cancelled. So they think that the waiting list could go up to 13 million. The GPs aren't seeing patients. Still. They're still refusing mm-hmm. to see patients. Mm-hmm. Um, probably shouldn't go there, but there could be downsides from a certain rollout happening at the moment in the future. I, yeah. I pray that isn't going to happen. I really don't want that to happen, but it's a possibility. Um, yeah, it, the, the one thing I think about the NHS and all this sort of stuff is that the 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 thing to me it's, it seems that it's a time to not need the NHS, and that might seem kind of strange and yet obvious thing to say in times of an alleged pandemic. But you know, our health is something that we can quite easily take personal responsibility for if we want to you know and it's part of this wanting to know thing how do i live you know how do i run this piece of human machinery that i'm in you know what does it need what must what must it avoid you know what mustn't i put down the chute and and it, it it's it's a real um it's a real powerful example of how whether or not people can take control of their their lives and themselves but it's it's so important because the nhs is like the government's hook for us you know all we've got to do is is live the conventional lifestyle follow everybody else's values over the cliff into chronic disease and and then the nhs scoops you up <laughs> and 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 the government's got you then by the nhs and by your need you know your your desperate need so so this all adds up to me it says take control of, of one's health you know really seriously to make sure you don't get cancer because you can you can make sure you don't get diabetes and you can make sure you don't get sick i mean really can people need to get that it's not like spinning a roulette wheel you know you can choose whether to eat pizza or you know whether to go and eat something healthy you know it's, pizza it's, yeah, <laughs> I do. I do sort of fail the pizza challenge choice, unfortunately. <laughs> but I do. I do. I don't know. I think recently, and ironically, through through lockdown, I became more active and sort of um, started yeah. to exercise more. I bought a bike as well recently. As well, I've used that quite a lot. So you know, um, so I'm trying to make some changes, I suppose. Some people, the lockdown will have helped. Uh, in in various different ways, um, and other people it'll be a yeah. detriment to. But I think yeah. this, this this other thing as well, isn't it, about lockdowns in terms of the type of person? Um, I say type of person, but I suppose maybe what kind of background you're from, and the impact it potentially has on you. You know, like my kind of job, I could do from home quite easily, um, but other people were sort of put on. Um, furlough weren't they and then at the end of that just kind of made redundant um so it tends to be people who are maybe from lower social or economic backgrounds um that are probably going to do worse from out, yeah. from out of that um, yeah. i mean there, there might be people that do better i mean i think you know i've read a lot about sort of people reassessing their kind of life and their choices and the decisions and how the you know like you were talking about earlier in terms of when Phil was saying as well about spending 40 years working in a job that you don't particularly like, that's just not rewarding, um, and going and then going off and doing something that they actually, you know, get enjoyment out of. I mean, you would think, you would hope that 
the people, you know, those in, initial, that initial month or two of lockdown, people would have, for a lot of people, it would have been a huge weight off the shoulders, mm. uh, not having to go into the office and, and maybe, maybe that would have given people a bit of space to, to consider these sorts of things, you know. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a danger that some people had a great time. You know, they were told to go home, enjoy the sunshine and get 80% of their pay. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have had a, too much of a problem with that. Yeah. But I think that's a problem in itself in that, you know, it, it's the greater game that's going on. The government effectively paying people to stay at home. It's like, hang on, you're taking control of this stuff. The whole show has been taken control of by the government. Yeah. Why? What, what are they doing that on? Oh, yes, they're claiming this. Is there any truth beneath that? Oh, look, we find that there isn't. But the, the other thing about the, the NHS that I wanted to mention in, in terms of making sure that we don't need it is that I think you could easily find these days um, or coming going forward from now that if you have to go in for any kind of treatment or medical procedure, you know, as you get older and your body starts to break down, you'll probably need to get vaccinated to even enter the building. And, and again, that's that's the bridge over which me and my family aren't going so so we, we we've got to you know that that you know one idea means that another one's got to be in place and another one you know what i mean in, in stacking things up yeah, but yeah. but it always makes good sense to not need a, a national health service i mean i've got a funny relationship with the national health service i'm not a big fan and you certainly wouldn't have heard me clapping you know last summer um i i think that health is a personal responsibility that people should say and but there should be some kind of insurance scheme where you can get scooped off off the roads of course but, <laughs> but yeah. oh, God. and have someone stitch your legs back on if you're in a nasty accident so, you know that's that's important so would you kind of be um advocating then for just kind of an emergency service because that's the thing isn't it at the moment that uh, where private healthcare kind of falls down in that if it's an emergency so for i've kind of heard it explained that if you're on the operating theater table having like a, a knee up in a private hospital or whatever and you have a a cardiac arrest you're kind of taken in an ambulance to an nhs hospital um if it's not you know co-located or whatever um and they take over the care basically so is yeah. that kind of? What I don't know. I mean, I, I would just advocate uh, a free market. I I personally go for freedom every time, and I'd say a free market and allow someone out there to start up the insurance company to which I would be a customer, and he'd and I'd say to him, look, I've got some money. I haven't got a hospital, but I want to pay you to insure me against nasty accidents. So if I have one, anything, you come and sort me out, and everything, and I'll pay you this much. Yeah. Are we agreed? Yep. Shake on it. Fantastic. That's all I need. And then I could save all that tax money going to some inefficient big monolith. Uh, a nice straight private setup would suit mm -hmm. me because I do want accident repair. You know, I think that would be indispensable. Well, Nigel, we've yeah. gone over an hour already. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't time fly? Yeah, yeah easy. We're it? talking about how the world is going to end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I hope I haven't brought you guys down. That would be... Uh, that oh, would be no, sure. not yeah. at all. No, it's good. It's been good fun. Great <laughs> yeah. to meet you. And mm. It was an interesting chat. I mean, there was loads we could have... I could have talked to you about. I need to start reading Ayn Rand for a start. Mm. She's mm. not on my list. Mm. Uh, yeah. Let's get into that, but... Um, well, it's been great fun talking to you guys. Really appreciate the uh, the invite to to come on and um, yeah, bat some ideas around. It's been great. Thank you very much. No problem. So the lawful rebel is the website. Eavesdroppers. The links will be in the show notes anyway. If you want to see uh, 
check out Nigel's website and uh, the YouTube channel where I found you. You're on some alternative video platforms as well, aren't you? Yeah, on Odyssey, BitChute, and uh, Brighton. Brighton, oh, that's yeah. a new one. I not, don't know that one, Brighton. Yeah, there's there, there's all sorts coming and going these days on there. But yeah. yeah, that's where you can, where you can catch me. Yeah, cool. And uh, living outside the Matrix, if you're uh, listening to the MP3 as well, just search for that. I take it you're on the, the usual major podcast platforms. Yeah, on iTunes and Stitcher, um, absolutely. Or you can subscribe to the RSS feed via the website. Excellent. Well, this has been great fun. Yeah. And uh, stay on the line for us while we play ourselves out. And uh, really? yeah, mm. check out the links, eavesdroppers. Right. Mm. Catch you on the flip side. Don't touch that dial. Right, then we're back. The dwarf <laughs> and the mother of madness. Rubbish. Rubbish caught that. Yeah, it was. That was awful. What were you saying about it? I was just going to say that was our chat with uh, Nigel Howitt from The Lawful Rebel, no, which I, was, was not rubbish. No, I enjoyed I enjoyed Nigel. I think he should have um, his own TV programme on either Channel 5 or BBC 4. I'm not sure what the tone would be. Um, Homesteading type. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Dick Drawbridge. Yeah. Is it Dick Strawbridge? What's he called? Dick Strawbridge, yeah. Is it what does he do? Well he he bought a, a palace in well, not really, a chateau in uh, France and that's what he does currently. But he was a royal engineer, wasn't he? And then he does all kinds of Tell me like I should know who this guy is. <laughs> well you knew his name, so why well, don't you know what he does? Because you've said it. Yeah, exactly. It's another one of my uh shames. <laughs> I don't I've not watched it for years actually. Oh. You're not missing out. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Oh, my word. It's housekeeping time. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. What's your favourite way of returning value, Matthew? I say every week. It's pictures, and um, I'm disturbed by um, how little pictures we receive. Do you mean artwork for the uh, episode? Artwork for the episode, I mean, yeah, if you want to get iTunes, technical. iTunes yeah. or Spotify artwork. Yeah. Yeah, you can send us that if you've got a... You don't even have to do it specially for us. There's some artwork that you've done that yeah. you would like to be used. If you, you know, maybe you feel it fits in with the themes that we talk about on here. Do you not think you would be, get an executive producer status um should you bespokely design a um piece of artwork for an episode bespoke no no oh, fucking hell no. it's not worth it then just sending old stuff no no 50 pounds or above for executive <laughs> producer okay. isn't it that's the rule oh well then no, yeah. okay sorry don't jump the gun okay sorry um, yeah, you can uh, join the Discord. That's a good place to send us the artwork, said artwork, or memes for Instagram. Yeah, Discord. Yeah, that's always a good uh, good place. Fishing, fish husbandry tips are always um, warmly received as well. You know, we have time to read that kind of shit. Yeah, uh, this podcast is value for value. There is no adverts. There is no corporate sponsors. No content is put behind paywalls. Um, no. But that means it's crowd-produced. Yeah, with you guys. So you need to help us and uh, help right. us to help you. Yeah, send us news articles, video clips. Yeah, 
anything weird that you see in the mainstream media sphere, you can send us a link, timestamped. Yeah. If it's a long clip, if you feel that it requires amplification, we'll amplify. Yeah. Amplify. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you can buy merch from the Amish loot chest. Link in the Ooh, show yeah. notes as ever. Um, follow us on Spotify, um, not Spotify, Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah, if you YouTube, uh, subscribe and like. Yeah, subscribe wherever. You can send us, uh, you can do reviews. Yeah, reviews, iTunes reviews. Not had one of those for a while, have we? Um, word of mouth word of is mouth. the most valuable for me. The way of spreading, you know, recommendations. Yeah. Like if uh, if a friend or a relative sends you a recommendation, that's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> it's worth its weight in Bitcoin. It is, yeah, because I imagine you'd be more likely to try it out, wouldn't you? Yeah. Birthday shout-outs. If you've got a birthday coming up, um, send us an email at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com and we'll be happy to give you a birthday shout-out. Shout-out. Um, what else? Well, you said reviews. We got a review this week. Do we? Uh, yeah, this is from uh, Nicholas. Uh, this was on Castbox. Oh, right. Okay. This is, uh, I think that's a podcasting 2.0 compliant app. Right, okay. Castbox. Correct me if I'm wrong, eavesdroppers. Anyway, uh, the review is as follows The podcast has the perfect balance of diving down into the void of the unknown with the combination of relatable humour from three northerners. Exactly what I needed. I've personally taken a lot away from the podcast. I highly recommend it to all those who have questions about why we are here floating around the universe. So, um, obviously starting at a low base there, Nicholas, then if uh, <laughs> you think this is an intellectual podcast. Yeah. I got a, a message through uh, from uh, Preston, Preston Garuda, oh. who has since joined uh, the Discord. Right, okay. Um, dude. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Dude. Dude, I love you guys' podcast. I love your sense of humor. Been listening. I'm telling you, Sean Claude Van Damme. Been listening less than a week. <laughs> I've been binge listening from the start of your podcast. You guys would make my day if you would attempt a whole show in an American accent. Lol. I will be sending you some coins. Oh. I'm from Utah in the States. I've been listening to at least six or seven episodes a day. A day? By far my favorite podcast. Thank you, Phil. So, uh, yeah, Preston has gone back to episode one. Oh, he's called Preston. Yes. All right, okay. I thought Pre- it was from Preston. Pre- Preston Garuder. <laughs> Preston Garuder. Yeah. yeah, Preston is... Um, Fantastic message. A name. It is a name. As well as a place. Yes. Um, so thank you. Uh, if you do give us a review, um, we will read it out gladly, as long as it's a good review, obviously. It's a, Don't read mm, shit review. I can't do American accents, though. That's, <laughs> go on. <laughs> <laughs> the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Do that in an American accent. I can't even say that. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hi. No. Hi. No. Um... I'm American. Try hey, hey, hey there. I'm a, that's a Valley Girl kind of twang, yeah. I guess. Not, yeah, American. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. I'm sorry. Can you do Dutch? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do more than one word in Dutch? 
No. <laughs> God. Oh, you know what my favourite way of becoming a producer is? Um, Cash money. Toss us a fucking coin. Yeah. Toss a coin to your witcher. Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because we're full oh, with northern and we're bloody Toss miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to the armysinquisition.com, you'll find the don- donate button there and you can uh, you can send us a PayPal donation. Yeah. I should really sort out the crypto, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with it. And it really bothers me. And the Amish Ben won't do it, really. He won't do anything. And even, you know, he has um, several crypto wallets, as far as I'm aware. Does he? Yeah. He needs to open his coin purse. <laughs> he does, does His crypto coin purse. Yeah. And give me access. Yeah. To his yeah. coin purse. <laughs> <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall we thank the producers for episode 196? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yash? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We have one executive producer this week. Preston <laughs> Garuda. Oh, is that who it was? With a big fat 70 quid. <laughs> and uh, producers, we have Nicholas Travels. Big Spuds. Lee from The Big Conspire. Helen from Berkshire. Nominos Nudge. And Anonymous. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing. And their love and literally the best mate. An executive producer. It's yeah. a miracle. Have we not had one yet? I think he's the second, I think. Yeah, second. Yeah. Thanks, it's uh it's just why do we bother doing this thing? Thank you, Preston. Yeah, gotta big up the Mandems, haven't we? Yeah, we have. It's time to big up the Mandems. Yeah, the dwarf, the carrots, the grape, the cunt, the communist, the homophobe, the misogynist, the cripple, and the mother of. From hell. <laughs> yep, thanks for your support for another week. I think, yeah, you know, Preston from Utah. Mm. It's quite, you know, if we hadn't started doing this and putting stuff out there, we'd have never spoken to Preston from Utah, would we? Correct. And, you know, um, livened up his life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, cold hard cash is what we really want. Yeah, but, you know, that's even better, isn't it? Like I I said to him, I think I said to him, that covers the, the Zoom account for, like, four months. Exactly. You know, so it helps. It all helps. Mm-hmm. Okay. COVID-19 news. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mode like. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. Because we're getting bored, we want to have fun. But I can't save you from not wearing a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. Epic dub. Let's uh, go around the world. I've got news from multiple countries this week. Are we starting on the other side of the world? Yeah, let's go to our Antipodean friends, Australia. Oh, 
let's check in on uh, how the uh, Aussies handle track and trace. This is from Nine News. Checking in on a positive case at Greystains. Police in full PPE as they break the news to Gabriel Chalu. He's off to a health hotel. Health hotel. Oh, no. You can check out, but you can never leave. <laughs> Literally. I went and got tested for peace of mind. Didn't get a text message that I'm positive or negative. And uh, yeah, next, uh, about a week after, I've got police calling me, so... I don't know, maybe it's a mix-up. The concrete heads off for an indefinite stay. All good? Thank you. Beautiful. You're right. For an indefinite stay. For an indefinite stay. For an indefinite stay. So he has neither tested positive nor negative, no. but he's been put in a COVID... Ho- sorry, not a COVID hospital. <laughs> hotel. Health uh, hotel. A health hotel. Yeah. I mean, does this get any more than 1984? <laughs> and is that doublespeak? That's doublespeak, isn't it? What, the health hotel? Yeah. Is it not? It's a quarantine facility. Yeah, well, of course it is, yeah. Like the Ministry of Peace or whatever it is. Ministry of Truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. And, like, there's six months ahead of us, I think, in all this. But, yeah, uh, it gets even better. You know, uh, Victoria Premier Dan Andrews. Dan Andrews, okay, such yeah. a fucking turd. This guy, he's got some. Uh, this is the hardline state, isn't it? In Australia, they're all going down now. Sydney, Sydney's they're all getting locked down. No, I know, but I thought he was particularly known for being a twat. Yes, for being particularly hardline and like smashing people's. Wind, it it was know. the state where the uh, police were dragging people out of the cars and smashing the windows because they were trying to get out of the state <laughs> before they were hemmed in. Uh, He's got uh, some updated face mask guidance for us. There will be no removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath uh, as part of a pub crawl. What the farage? (laughs) Now, I, I, I did slightly engage with the mainstream media so i did sort of see something along that kind of line and then i just kind of went oh god i didn't read it so what the farage (laughs) (laughs) you gotta see the video is it because so condescending the way he's looking at is it because he's kind of trying to put the blame on people going out drinking again and like spreading the virus around is that what he's kind of intimating and like you know sort of saying these people you know they're it is yeah subhuman scum class people they like to go and have a drink and that going a beer garden having a cocktail maybe having a pub crawl and is it like kind of um why can't you just go to a restaurant have a nice bottle of red and just behave your fucking self why do you have to go on a fucking pub crawl mate <laughs> hey that's not too bad that um so um yeah, so he's kind of saying that you shouldn't be doing that. And, yeah, I, and also he's kind of saying that these kind of um, these pop up beer tents where businesses are trying to survive, he's trying to, he's sort of circumventing his rule of law, I guess. Is that what as well, I assume? Well, whatever it is, it's not going to work. But, you know, let's rattle on. There was an extraordinary press conference in New South Wales. Did you see this? No. Fuck me. Health Minister Victor Dominello. Um, here's the report. I, the, you, you need to see it. The audio doesn't work. At this morning's press conference, a number of people commented on my droopy eye. <laughs> some, some people thought I was winking at the cameraman, he said. 
Some thought I had a stroke. I've actually been diagnosed with Bell's palsy. <laughs> right, okay. The it's, member for... It's not going to be from the... the uh, it's a side effect, isn't it? Yeah, go on. The member from Ride said he felt a pain in his skull behind his right ear about 48 hours earlier before waking up on Wednesday with pins and needles on the right side of his tongue. Oh, no. He got the condition examined in the afternoon after several people reached out to check on him. You want to see it? It's like one eye just won't stay open in one side of his face in the press conference. Fuck. About coronavirus. Yeah. And uh, making sure you get your, get your magic juice, right? Uh, the reason I'm posting is because hopefully it will remind people to look after their health, he said, before thanking staff at Royal North Shore Hospital. We are focused on COVID, but there are plenty of other health problems going on. If you have any... Health concerns, please get them looked at. Uh, according to the Australian Government's Health Direct website, viral infections are thought to be the main cause of the condition, which can be treated with steroids or an antiviral medicine. It's usually temporary. <laughs> Most people start to get better in about two weeks and are fully, fully recovered within three to six months. Fuck so uh, just a droopy face for six months. A few people don't recover uh, <laughs> and are left with some weakness or paralysis of the muscles of their face. Marvellous. Yeah, it's on the uh, list of uh, side effects. And right. obviously, he's because he's the health minister, it was well publicised when he got the, the old uh, sticker Rooney. The old uh, magic juice. Right, okay. So, yeah, yeah that's. Uh, Nothing to see here. No. No. It's just, uh, it's just funny. You should watch the video. Link in the show notes. Mm. Uh, let's cross over to New Zealand. Yeah. Comrade Ardern of uh, New Zealand's. <laughs> They call him Supreme Supreme Leader. Yeah, <laughs> they had a case, didn't they, uh, on Tuesday? So they shut the whole country down. Uh, one, one case. Are they na- pursu- national lockdown? Are they, <laughs> are they pursuing zero COVID in New Zealand still? Yeah. Okay. Well, how are they? Are they so it, excuse me. So are they just going to be like self sufficient now? A hermit country. Yeah. The um, it really is stupid because. You think that those scientists know about animal reservoirs? Right. That these viruses, they go into animal reservoirs. I know, what's that? It'll circulate like a mink. Okay, yeah. You know, in, in Dem- I think it was in Denmark, Denmark or Norway, where they kill all the mink. Yeah, yeah. Because the virus just moves into them. Right, yeah. And then comes back into you. Yeah. You can't... Get away from it now. Get away from it. No, no, it's, it's idiotic. But, you know... <laughs> Because I'm literally a communist. Anyway, um, she did a press conference this week uh, and this seemed a little intrusive to me. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbours. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. Wear a mask and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. And definitely don't talk to your neighbours. I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? Where it's, it's never in circulation, this virus. It seems that the population is boring. There's oh. no protests or anything that I've seen. Yeah, no, nothing sizable at I, least. But I, I, I mean, it's, it's. I just don't think it's feasible. Of course, it's not. But you know that. You know, th- at the end of the day, 
We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. yeah. The power that I'm interested in this link between the state and the media that seems to have evolved. I mm. need to find um, hard figures on this, but I believe that the UK government is now the number one funder of advertising in the UK media. <laughs> Get the fuck out of it. Is yeah. it I suppose, yeah. Part of that 500 billion. So if you own a newspaper, or a mm. TV channel, whatever, you're going to want them to... Who's your number one customer? Oh, yeah. it's, it's Bojo. Yeah. His band of merry idiots. Better keep those guys happy. Yeah. They're paying our wages. But maybe I'm just being cynical. I don't know. Well, let's go over to Israel quickly. Israel extends COVID restrictions to three-year-olds as cases surge. Um, this is the... The first company, like with the outstanding vaccine, countries are companies really, but (laughs) that's a discussion for another day. But they were like the first, weren't they, to roll out the jab. Uh, Netanyahu did a deal with Pfizer, an exclusivity deal. So they would have early access and they would just use Pfizer and that's why they had such a quick rollout. Um, Israel is now requiring anyone over the age of three to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test before entering many indoor spaces as it tackles a sharp rise in infections. Restaurants, cafes, museums, libraries, gyms and pools are among the venues covered by the Green Pass system. Green Pass? I wonder what that could be sort of merged into when this COVID thing's over. Green Pass. (laughs) Sure, I've heard about green issues. Anyway, however, proof of immunity is not needed to go into shops or malls. So you can at least buy food to sustain yourself Mm. without complying. The country's COVID-19 czar said it was at war with the virus despite its world-leading vaccination program. Our morbidity is rising day by day, Salman Zarka told a parliamentary committee on Wednesday, according to the Jerusalem Post. The next two weeks leading up to the Jewish New Year festival of Rosh Hashanah on the 6th of September would be critical, he warned. If things did not improve, we will need to get a lockdown like the first and second ones where we go no farther than 100 metres from our houses. It's just wild, isn't it, that you can't... Well, well you can't... The, the parallels you draw between that and um, history, isn't it, I suppose... And you know, just the history of the last twelve months. Yeah, you know, these are the mo- you know, this is the. Well, I don't mean you, you, one yeah. of the most vaccinated countries, and they're talking about lockdowns again. again. Yeah, they are. I'm sure we talked about this mm. before the vaccine even came out. Anyway, Austria. Got Austria. Yeah, Austria has become the second country to set an expiry date for COVID nineteen vaccine passports, causing further confusion for travellers. On Tuesday, the country announced that it is stamping a maximum validity period of 270 days, around nine months, on proof of vaccination, which is currently needed to visit the country. This means that UK travellers who receive their second vaccine injection in January only have until October to visit the country before their vaccine passport is deemed invalid. Bloody hell. Now, I think most people thought, Two shots, that's it, done. Yeah, yeah. The, the game's over, game set and match, we've done it. Mm-hmm. We've got the vaccine, it's 95% effective. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
get the jab, and then we can go but get back to normal. Isn't that what Dr. Bill told us? Yeah. Dr. Bill Gates all them months ago? Mm-hmm. The uh, magic vaccine, mm. you know, that that is our route to liberty. Mm. Mm, it's going to be repeated, I'm afraid. Uh, for single-shot vaccines, so that would be just the Janssen, I think. I think the Johnson Janssen is the only single-shot vaccine, right. which we don't have in this country either. Uh, you must show that you received the vaccine more than 21, but no more than 270 days before arrival. Uh, for double-shot vaccines, so this is more applicable to the UK, you must show that you have received the first injection more than 21 days, but no more than 90 days before arrival. Or the second injection, no more than 270 days before arrival. Clear as mud. Yeah. Oh, anyway, vaccine incentives. We've got some in the UK this week. Asda? No. No? I don't know. The Department of Health and Social Care said Asda will offer £10 vouchers for their clothing brand George to vaccinated 18-year-olds who spend over 20 quid. Well... I don't think many 18-year-olds shop at Asda George, do they? So that one's pretty shit. The Department of Health and Social Care said Asda will offer £10 vouchers to their clothing brand, George. Now, does that mean that the Department of Health and Social Care is paying for those vouchers? I think it's, it might it be. It seems that way, doesn't it? Like, do you remember the uh, Shake Shack Mayor de Blasio in New York and the Shake Shack. I'm yeah. pretty sure that the the city made a deal with Shake Shack. Right. You give away your free burger and fries with jam and uh, give us the token, us being the mayor, and we'll Reimburse. reimburse you. Yeah, uh, Is that what happened? Yeah, I. Uh, there's limited value in the publicity of offering COVID vaccine incentives for a corporation. Mm-hmm. It's pretty limited. Mm-hmm. I think they must be getting... Getting it cash money first, yeah. Uh, National Express, lastminute.com, Uber Deliveroo, mm. uh, also offering incentives. Well, there you go. They're, they're a bit more applicable to an 18 year old, aren't they? Yeah, you would say so, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Deliveroo. Yeah. Um, lastminute.com. Holidays. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've got to have the jab to go abroad, haven't you? Yeah. Well, that's sort of a. Self, that's not really a selfless act, is it? <laughs> is it like get your job so you can spend money with us going on holiday? Anyway, um, yeah, that's the incentives. Um, COVID passports and exemptions. Do you remember with the face mask? You know, you could just say, I'm exempt. Yeah, yeah, COVID passports. Remember when I did a video on mask exemptions and everybody flipped out at me? Well, now I've got vaccine passport exemptions as well. First thing you want to do is Google vaccine passport and go to the government website. Scroll down to domestic use in England and go to the second link just here. Using the NHS COVID pass, go to exemptions. First paragraph states these individuals will need to self-declare their medical exemption directly with you. Further down it states, please be mindful and respectful where there are potential circumstances circumstances where a customer or individual cannot safely demonstrate the COVID-19 status by taking a vaccination or test. Your customers may declare a medical exemption directly with you. You and your staff should not ask for evidence of an exemption. Right here, it is not mandatory for any individual to wear a visual cue to outline they are exempt. Are they forcing us to have a COVID pass or are you forcing yourself? Just asking. 
Just declare yourself medically exempt. Yeah. And under, like, equality's law, you should be treated with respect and fairly. Yeah. If you want to go to that festival or wherever it is you're going, a cinema, if it comes to that. The thing is about doing that is on a, on a case-by-case basis, um, what do you think would happen on the gate if you were like... It's you, just said what happens. Yeah, I know. But would, you, would that happen in practice? It's the same as the masks. Mm. You just say, I'm exempt. Disqualified! <laughs> they're, they're already selling the lanyards. The COVID passports. <laughs> yeah, it's a forest. It, well, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you said at the end, you know, are we being forced to do these or are we forcing ourselves? Mm-hmm. I think uh, there will be ways and means. There are ways and you know, means, yeah. And you can't discriminate people against, for, against their medical status, fundamentally. Mm. There has to be a safety net, doesn't there? A backstop. Mm-hmm. There will be people who can't be vaccinated. Yeah. Um, what, do we just fucking throw them in the bin? Not let them take points society anymore? Yeah. No, there has to be uh, an exemption scheme. Yeah. And uh, it will apply. Mm. And if uh, companies decide to uh, not honour that, then they'll be sued. Mm. Simple as. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Trudeau, Canada. Okay. Oh, my God. He was questioned about his vaccine passport. Because they've said this week that uh, you won't be able to get on trains or uh, planes in Canada. Because Canada's such a big com- country, they do a lot of internal yeah. flights. And he's saying, yeah, COVID pass if you want to use a plane or a train in Canada. And he was quizzed on this, and it's like, he's such a fucking robot. And he does like this NLP style. <laughs> it's like face changes, and he looks to the camera, and he gives off this... this Persona. Yeah, and this way he vocalises, it's, it's just fucking creepy. Good morning, Prime Minister Marika Walsh with The Globe and Mail. Following on your response to Louis' question, can you please be specific? You, you're championing this plan, but we don't actually hear from you how it's going to work. So moving away from the Federal Service and looking at travellers in planes, trains, cruises, what happens to those travellers who refuse to be vaccinated and do not have a medical exception? Will they be allowed an accommodation, or can they not travel? Uh, Canadians know that the way to get through this pandemic is for everyone to get vaccinated. So unless people have a medical exception, they will not be able to board a plane or a train in Canada if they are unvaccinated. That is about protecting our young people. It's about protecting Canadians. We are absolutely unequivocal on that because this is how we get through this pandemic and he's uh, he's flanked behind him there's like two nodding dogs with masks on you know it's the green what he says it's really creepy to watch and it's just so well rehearsed his intonation the way he speaks it's uh yeah so it's obviously you know the, he'll know the questions in advance won't he and then he'll have a practiced answer um Humans don't talk like that. Oh yeah, I know. It's because it's 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 been trained. You get trained, don't you, to talk in a certain way to get your message across. He seems to have been, yeah. Um Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um 
he's saying that sort of the vaccine the vaccine is the way out of these lockdowns and this pandemic. But it in the like you know the most one of the most vaccinated countries, Israel, it doesn't appear to be, does it? No. They, they haven't locked down. Have they locked down yet? They're just threatening lockdowns. Now, they won't. Uh, that's not part of the program, is it? It's all fucking hope. Mask. <laughs> Kneel. <laughs> Kneel before Zod. Anal swab test. <laughs> I don't know. Right, we have to, we have to motor on because we've tons. Uh, the Zoe app. Tim Spector, Professor Tim Spector, oh, yeah. who started the Zoe app, um, is updated the COVID symptoms list. If you have any of these COVID symptoms, you may have COVID and need to get tested. Ready? High temperature, chills or shivers, persistent cough, loss or change of smell, loss or change in taste, headache, unusual tightness, sore throat, sudden confusion, skin rash, changes in the mouth or tongue, COVID fingers or COVID toes. What's that mean? I thought you might ask that. Discoloration and swelling on the feet or hands. But along, my, mine are always like that. <laughs> along with the swelling and discoloration, COVID toes can also cause blitch, blisters, itch, or pain. Some people Blitches. develop... Blitches. <laughs> bitches. Stitches. Snitches need stitches. Some people develop painful raised bumps or areas of rough skin. Oh. Ah, oh, balls. Sorry, I just have to... Uh, I forgot to do this before. I should have... Uh, Restarted Zoom. Start the video. Okay. What a mess. COVID fingers or toes. We're not through yet. Shortness of breath, chest pains, <laughs> muscle pains, hoarse voice, right. diarrhea, Ooh. skipping meals. Skipping meals is a symptom. Oh, fuck off. So we up. Abdominal pains, running nose or sneezing. So just if you're ever ill, if you have any symptom for anything, get a COVID test. You might have COVID. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, COVID vaccine scientists begin plague jab trial. What? UK scientists behind the AstraZeneca COVID jab have been given the first trial volunteers for a new plague vaccine. <laughs> the phase one trial will see at least 40 healthy 18 to 55-year-olds test the vaccine, which uses the same technology as the COVID jab. Like the Austra Oxford AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine, the jab uses, uses a weakened version of a common cold adenovirus from chimpanzees that has been genetically altered so it can cause and can't, cannot cause an infection in people. This vaccine does not contain plague, and so cannot cause plague. But it does include added genes that make the proteins from the plague bacterium, Yersinia pestis. And this should sh and this should teach the body's immune system how to fend off the real infection should it ever need to. The plague. Plague, yeah. Because I, I believe that you can, in some countries they still get outbreaks of the plague. Yeah. But Africa. I'm pretty confident... We would hear if the plague was an issue in this country, but I suppose certainly you know, not a, 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 an issue in this country. It can be treated with um, antibiotics. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, uh, I think what their argument is is that in sub-Saharan Africa, maybe there isn't that 
early warning system and treatment can be delayed. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I mean, if you were sort of seeing it in a positive light, then it would be sort of, um, we're always saying, aren't we, that companies are sort of going after the the bigger markets and whatnot. But Mm. yeah, I mean, they must be doing this for, for a reason, for money. Yeah, you would hope so, if you're a shareholder. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Right, let's move on. Let's move on to Afghanistan. Crisis in Plotland. Yeah, the uh, Afghanistan's gone to shit, hasn't it, in the last week? Yeah, hell in a handbasket. Yeah, the United Nations has a message for the Taliban. Additionally... The UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and full and meaningful participation of women. <laughs> the council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much notice it'll take. Uh, Bojo had some good news, though, for the Afghanis okay. in, in Parliament this week. We will also support the uh, wider international community in delivering on humanitarian projects in uh, the region by doubling, doubling, Mr Speaker, the amount of humanitarian and development assistance that we had previously committed to Afghanistan this year. With new funding, with new funding, with new, wait for it, Mr. Speaker, taking this up to £286 million with immediate effect, and we call on others, £286 million with immediate effect, and we call on others to work together on a shared humanitarian effort, focusing on helping the most vulnerable in what will be formidably difficult circumstances. Why, why is it kind of, why have we pivoted, pivot, to... Um engaging with the Taliban? Um, I don't think we are. I think we're just um, giving them a big wedge. You know, Please don't murder us. We've, well, no, we've, we've, we've sort of left, given them 300 billion and said, Time to rap and friends of you. Terror to fucking you. Aren't we? Seems that way. I, mean, I was listening to something or reading something and they were kind of um, comparing it with the withdrawal from Saigon. Maybe not quite yeah. as um, visually. Yeah, yeah, with the helicopter on top of the uh, and like sort embassy, of the, the scenes outside the international airport. Is it like the only thing that sort of controlled by the Americans and us at the moment? Um, so um, yeah, I mean it's it's a mess, isn't it? It's a fucking mess. But I mean, it it, it was always a mess. Twenty years, is it? Yeah, it's been going on for twenty years. So if you can't get it. <laughs> Sorted in that long, it never was going to happen. They don't call it the graveyard of empire for nothing. Well, yeah, there's been loads of places, hasn't there? Was it not like one of the f- reasons why the Soviet Union fell as well when they were kind of involved in Afghanistan? Sure, but uh, then it was the US funding the Mujahideen. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, and Bin Laden. Yeah. When will we learn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you can't just... It's this sort of a, a post-imperial hangover as well where we just draw lines on a map and say, well, you're a country now. <laughs> you better start acting like it. It's like, come on. It doesn't work. And then yeah. Biden's come out this this week and said, well, we, we were never meant to be nation-building. 
Fuck we were yeah. just after Al Qaeda and you know the terrorists. Yeah. Uh, I opium plays a big role in all this. In what? In what way? Well, the Taliban stopped it. Stopped the opium production. Did they? Yeah. I thought they were. I thought they grew it for like cash money, yo. No, CIA does. Right, okay. Yeah, they had American soldiers guarding poppy fields. Right, okay. But now we have um, that elephant trank. What was it? Um, uh-huh. What's the big one? The big uh, new. Oh, the one that's like miles more powerful. Fentanyl. Than, yeah, than. Yeah, Fentanyl. Yeah. Synthetic. ODs on it. Yeah. Synthetic. Don't need poppies anymore. <laughs> Ta-ra. To fucking you. That's a fucking you. Everybody. Everyone likes a bit of brown, though, don't they? Brown what? Well, like, all, all drugs in brown form. Just better. Yeah. Yeah, true. Mm. It's more natural, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Anyway, it's not Afghanistan we need to be worried about. It's ISIS we need to be watching out for. Is, it, oh, is, that, is that it now? Are we going, going back over to ISIS now? Yeah, yeah. Biden was on telly today. Just listen to what these crazy fuckers are doing. Today... The terrorist threat has metastasized well beyond Afghanistan. Al-Shabaab in Somalia, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, Al-Nusra in Syria, ISIS attempting to create a caliphate in Syria and Iraq, ISIS attempting to create a caliphate. (laughs) What the fuck's that? I don't know. ISIS attempting to create a caliphate. Sounds terrifying. A rock formation. Um, I think it's a caliphate. So he's not going to invade Iran, is he? No. And that would be like suicide as well, wouldn't it? No, they've shown how weak they are, haven't they? Who? Iran? America. Oh, America. No, uh, it's just a sucker, isn't it, for the Chinese and the and the Russians, really? China are going to move in to yeah. Afghanistan. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Let them have a go. <laughs> yeah, let them have a go. Yeah, maybe the, their empire will fail as well after 20 years of in those weeds. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, the other thing as well is, uh, I suppose there has, I wonder if he's going to take on what kind of a little bit of what Trump, what Trump into power in terms of less focus on overseas, more focus on at home and use that as part of his kind of, I'm talking about Biden now, his messaging in terms of, right, we need to focus on what's going on here rather than... America first was like the tagline, wasn't it, with Trump? That yeah, they would, uh, something like that. Look yeah. after themselves first. He, he was uh, always bitching about his NATO partners, wasn't he? Which not, was true, Not meeting it, the yeah. minimum funding, yeah, Germany and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our military is sub- sort of subsidised by the Americans. It is, isn't it? We don't yeah. need to spend, because they spend so much. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, that's the way it is. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. All that. No, I don't either. No. Don't well, 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 we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see what happens. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's much you can do now. They've taken over, and uh, mm. you know, maybe they will be more. Obviously, they're not going to be progressive, but I mean, maybe they'll be more. I don't know what the word is. You know, they've, they've been living essentially occupied, haven't they, for the last 20 years. And then the government was, the Afghani government was installed. Mm-hmm. And they've spent, you know, 15 years or whatever trying to train this Afghan military, security forces. I mean, we I watched that documentary not long ago, that Vice one. But you, was it you who posted it or Ben? 
in the group. Oh no, I don't know. It was a Vice documentary where they right. were they were following the. Um, I think it was made in 2014, and it was like the remnants of the U.S. troops, Marines going and training the Afghan security forces. Right, they're all fucking stoned and like <laughs> don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's like, and and like the. The military officers at a high level are lying to the politicians, saying everything's going great. Right, okay. It's like, they've no weapons. They're not organized. Mm. They won't do anything without the Americans backing them up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they like their tea. They put something in the tea and get get off the face. Yeah. Vegan sausage roll. Well, then, you know, that might be sort of like a cultural thing. Absolutely. Um, You know, like when people working sort of like going up and down mountain ranges in South America using I don't want to say cocaine leaves are they called coca coca leaves aren't they coca leaves yeah they put under the tongue or whatever so yeah or maybe they're just getting smashed yeah (laughs) smashed I don't know there's no uh, there's no easy solutions is there anyway no I need uh, yeah. yeah yeah let's move on Simon McCoy on GB News, who was from ITV, and then uh, GB News snapped him up, and uh, he couldn't control himself when covering a story about Harry and Meghan. Now, uh, Harry and Meghan have broken their silence to say they are speechless about the situation <laughs> in Afghanistan. Sorry, only they would break their silence to tell us they're speechless. It feels wrong almost saying this, doesn't it? It's a little dig in there. It is, isn't it, yeah. Rather editorialising, isn't it? Yeah, and he's having. Uh, I mean, you know, why why are they commenting on Afghanistan? He served there, didn't he? He did two tours oh, yeah, there. I suppose, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Uh, I think his point is is that they're slightly hypocritical, aren't they? This couple in that they they sort of the uh, invite all the media attention and then mm. then say, "Whoa, well, we don't want this media attention anymore." Yeah, uh, and then they do the Oprah interview mm. and. Now we're having a new five pod. five book deal. Oh yeah, and uh, the podcast. Mm. Did they? Uh, is it them two doing a podcast, or is it Will's and? No, it is them. Is too. it them two? Yeah, they're doing a podcast. It was awful. <laughs> I didn't listen to it. I've not listened to it. No, they did an intro for it. I mean, it yeah. was awful. We played it, I think. Um, but yeah, you're right, aren't you? In that they could quite easily on his money, um, that he had from his, I, I suppose. It would have been more difficult if it had they stayed in in the UK, sort of resigning, f- whatever he did. Do you resign from the from the monarchy? What did he do? Abdicate? Did he abdicate? Did he? I don't know. Just or step back. Yeah, what he did. So he just said, you know, I don't. He gave back his title or whatever he did. Um, uh, but he did, you know, have. Now I, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but <laughs> nicely poured. Um, I'm sure it's, it was something like it was either seven million I've got in my head or eleven million pounds he inherited from his mum and his great grandma, which was the uh, queen, queen mother. mother. So he wasn't unwealthy <laughs> to start with, but I do get that he, he would probably need to employ. Security money for the that rest was, of his life. That was always covered. What security? Yeah. Even when S- he left the state. Yeah. Right. Okay. It has to be. You can't leave him. You can't leave him to his own devices because of the, because of the risk. Yeah. So, um, 
he they could, couldn't they? They could. If they wanted to, on his money, and if he invested that, he would double it every sort of 10 or 20 years, wouldn't he? His money. Um, Bitcoin. And, and yeah, and he could, and he could, if they wanted to, live a life away from the cameras. Yeah. I mean, she comes from a sort of a media lifestyle, uh, not lifestyle, a media career. She was an actress, wasn't she? Yeah, I know, but it, it doesn't get away from the fact that if she... The, and, they say, don't they, they, they want to comment on things going on in society and, and sort of they wanted more freedom in picking the causes that they wanted to get behind and all that carry on and use their pulling power to get to. But a consequence of that is being um, judged as well, I suppose, is one way of putting it. But um, what's a sort of brought to account, I suppose, and the... Um, <laughs> contradictions brought to light um, by the media. Now you know you can you can have your opinion on how she was or was not treated and how stories about her were and were not reported in comparison to other ones. Yeah. Um, and there's probably some kind of basis to what she says. But if she wanted to have a peaceful life, she could have one, and it would just be by withdrawing from. Yeah. The media. I don't think um, I don't think that's in her nature though. Just because of the career she's had, I think it's it is part of the the job. The job, you know, if you're an actress, you're probably used to publicity and dealing in that sort of arena. Maybe probably more than he he is, even even though he's a royal family member. But mm. you see, I I like if I see a story and it's about Meghan Harry, I, I have no interest. I don't know anything. I know there's a lot of talk about the way she was treated compared to Kate. Beckinsale, yeah. or whatever she, what's she called? Kate Winslet? Kate uh, Middleton was Middleton, a, was Middleton. A thingy. She's not yeah. called Kate Windsor now. Um, probably, yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of talk that she was being unfairly treated by the press. And I can definitely buy that because they're scoundrels and shitbags. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, I never had any interest in it, so I never looked into it in any depth. Yeah. I think the other thing as well is that my limited knowledge on it was allegedly. Kate Middleton and William play ball and they come out and go, oh, you know, and shake hands and do it and smile for the camera. Whereas, you know, she wasn't prepared to do that, is what I've read. So that is maybe a justification for her being treated unfavorably. Well, so they'll say, they'll say, well, you know, if you comment on this and you come and do X, Y, and Z, Mm. quid pro quo, we'll give you it, we can report it this way or we can report it this way. So this was actually um, when my uh, father-in-law died, uh, my wife was contacted by the local newspaper and she said, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to comment about it, but I think it got on the front page. Anyway, what happened is the police spoke to her and said, well, probably what you should think about is talking to them because if you don't, they'll report it in a bad light rather than in a, a oh good light. So she was kind of strong-armed into... Talking to the press. So, you know, when these people are on the thing, and they think, why on earth are you yeah. talking to the newspaper? It's probably it. because someone said to them, well, if you don't, then they might sort of report it in a bad light. How the world works. It's wild, isn't it? That I thought something just popped into my head. That's Im- amazing. Yeah. People don't realise how 
It wasn't the reporter Seedy that said it. It was the police that's the, the police, police advised it. Yeah. yeah, to say you better. It might be in your interest mm. to say it, make I, a make a statement. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that oh, did she or did she not? That, that's not go down. We probably shouldn't no. go down that road. No, maybe not. But no, I can't remember. Um, I don't know what happened to Victoria Derbyshire on BBC Breakfast on Thursday. Sorry about that delay. Good morning. More than half a million students in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Just chatting. Just chatting in the hall there. Oh, my God. Does he say, oh, quick, oh, dear? Oh, my God. It sounded sound a bit like a... Oh, shit. Fuck. Oh, no. What was she doing? It looked like a heel got stuck in the set. Oh. They do this thing where they start off at a desk. Yeah, and then they walk and then over. They, they power stride across, don't they? <laughs> In front of the big screen. Oh. The news! <laughs> yeah! Show me what you got! <laughs> oh, shit. Just reminded me I got Fuck. a Rick and Morty to watch because we were on holiday. <coughs> yeah. Poor. It's been a poor season. Did you not like the one before last? The one before last made us laugh. I've, I've hardly laughed at when, all. When the family got sent away on holiday. I watched that one. Forgotten already. Oh, God. I've got no soul. No, I'm I'm going off it big time. Yeah, it's not not as been as good, has it? Only another ninety episodes to go for the deal, I think. I'm not going to be watching it. I don't think. Honestly, I, I finished watching the last season. I was like, Ugh. and uh, I saw Robot Chicken was on four on demand. Okay, and I laughed more at Robot Chicken than I did at Rick and Morty. So there you go. It's like intergalactic cable. Yeah, but that's all it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't have children with a whore. Okay. Um, I got a local story. Man wearing clown mask and woman's underwear performs sex act outside Lancashire nursing home. Did someone order it? No. The man who was <laughs> reportedly wearing women's underwear and Ooh. a clown mask was caught performing a sex act on himself. After standing at a window, police quickly flooded the area after members of staff raised the alarm, but the man had already fled the scene. Well, you would think he would, all he'd have to do is put some pants on and take his mask off, and then he would be all right, wouldn't he? He's at large. <laughs> I bet he is. <laughs> well, the thing is, oh, epic, dark. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Burnley, that was. Oh, Burnley, yeah. You get that kind of thing in Burnley, though, don't you? It's like what people do on a Saturday night. <laughs> Women's underwear and a clown mask. It's pretty niche, isn't it? An old folks' home. But there is this thing, isn't there, about... I wonder if it's the shock of, like, the old person... Maybe he's trying to kill him. <laughs> Maybe. He's trying to kill him. What if it was, like, one of the people in there's, like, other half? And it was, like, a thing they used to do. <laughs> He'd, like... <laughs> Well, he'd come into the bedroom with a clown mask on and her underwear and then, like, you know, rub himself off while she was on the bed. Oh, feigning, like, feigning illness, <laughs> Alzheimer's. It's not quite like that, that movie with Kidman and Cruz in it, is it? 
One eyed, one eyed mask. <laughs> What's it called? Eyes wide shut. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Yeah, one eyed mask is a a Destiny Two Titan exotic helmet. <laughs> yeah, weird one. I yeah, maybe he's trying to kill the resident through shock. <laughs> People have all kinds of weird fantasies, don't they? Per- perversions, you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it, it, from the tone of the story, the resident didn't know the assailant. No, I yeah. don't think it's a, a couple reliving their fantasies. But I again, you know, that resident may not know if they've got dementia. No, uh, I think this might be uh, manslaughter, attempted manslaughter. Maybe. Via stroke. <laughs> not as good as the other one. No. Tenant leaves behind 5,000 gear beer cans bursting to brim with urine. For fuck's sake. 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one's enough, isn't it? <laughs> Haulage workers really had their work cut out for them after discovering a sea of beer cans filled with urine inside a three-bedroom house. Around 5,000 tinnies were littered all over every room of the home and had even been stuffed inside the cupboards. Discarded cigarette packets and pizza boxes were also strewn across the house in Hebburn, South Tyneside. Mm -hmm. The tenant started using beer cans as his loo after his toilet stopped working. But it is not known if he asked his landlord for help. If he just pissed in the toilet, he would just move around the the U-bend unless it was blocked. Unless it was blocked. Yeah. Gold Star haulage removals pulled the short straw as they were drafted for the clear-up. Company director Jonathan Casey said, We got a briefing of what was there, but it was nothing like what we expected. (laughs) God, that's terrible, Jordy, isn't it? All the beer cans were filled with urine. The tenant brought his toilet for God knows how long and filled every can in the house. It was the smell. It was disgusting. I reckon there were well over 5,000 cans filled. What did they do? Did they pour before they got rid of them? When asked where the tenant was going to poo, he said, I've got no idea. I don't know what he was doing for that. Not that I want to know either, to be honest. We don't know what happened to the uh, the solids. No. But this comes after another nightmare tenant who hadn't paid rent for a year left behind 8,000. <laughs> 8,000 beer cans in a two-bedroom flat in Andover, Hampshire. The loo... Oh, the, fuck? <laughs> the, the loo had never been flushed and was left with a four-foot-high pile of excrement and stained toilet paper. Oh, man. The kitchen was filled with mouldy loaves of bread and half-eaten kebabs, but the tenant sent an understated text message on his departure saying he might have left a bit of a mess. (laughs) A four-foot-high pile of shit on the toilet. I suppose that's the limit, isn't it? Like, your maximum limit. If you stood up. No, 
I don't think you can. Four foot's like up here. I think you must be you must be doing it into your hand and palming it. Palming it into there. Maybe. You'd have maybe, yeah. Four foot high. What? Turd wall. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Build game. that wall. <laughs> Build that wall. I mean, it's like Epic dub. the uh <laughs> what was his name? Howard Hughes. Hey, Adrian? Howard Hughes. Famously, wasn't there? There was things that he allegedly he collected his own urine when he went insane. I don't know who Howard Hughes is. Never heard of Howard Hughes? Famous. Um, he, he was a psychonaut. He, I think he may have been, but he was. Um, he was a author. A Hollywood. Uh, he had his own Hollywood film company, um, and he did make some a couple of classic films. But he went insane. But you know, it was taken off on The Simpsons where he's Mr. Burns and he has he collected oh. his jars of urine and fingernails. So he famously ca- collected his fingernails or didn't cut his fingernails, Howard Hughes. Right. And he built the Spruce Goose, which was like the world's biggest plane and it never sort of got off the ground. I think it flew once or something. But, but the other thing that he did on the side was that he he built, he went for land speed record, land speed, air speed records. So he built faster and faster planes, basically. That was another thing he got into. Yeah. But I can't remember how they explained. I remember, I think I might have what, tried to watch The Aviator because <coughs> that's about him. A part of his life, anyway. Yeah. Um, Martin Scorsese film. DiCaprio in the lead. That's Howard Hughes. Um, right. But yeah, so it's quite, yeah. Might be something like, I don't know. So I, don't you know might, why, I don't know why you collect your own urine, though. Or leave a, a four-foot pile of of turds. Feces. This is such a crock of feces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were, yeah, there's one, isn't there? There's a famous one as well about someone who, um, <laughs> they went into a flat and someone had basically, up the however many years they'd been living there, had done a shit into a piece of newspaper, folded it up and stacked it <laughs> in the bathroom rather than shitting in the toilet. I don't know what that was all about. Oh, my God. This is broken, aren't they? Seems to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's probably, you would think there's other things going on for them to do that, engage in that kind of behaviour, maybe addiction or whatever, you know. Shit! Yeah. Well... I think it's nearly time to go. I've been learning some Dutch this week. I can tell with that accent. Oh, yes, naturally. Yes. Some uh, some double Dutch. Would you like to learn some? Well, then. Hey, Google, how do you say in Dutch, pick my most beautiful side? Kies mijn mooiste kant. Kies mijn mooiste kant. Hmm. Kies mijn mooiste kant. Kies mijn mooiste kant. Kies mijn mooiste kant. He's the most a cunt. Well, the thing is, what you do, you caught between the devil and the rock. A cunt. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Our place. Yeah. Slushy deposit. Mmm. Kiss my moist a cunt. Well, on that note, let's go. I think it's time, isn't it? Mmm. Is Ben going to be back next week? Is he going to be a trio? presume so I've not heard anything not seen him for about six weeks no yeah you keep uh, you like ships passing in the night mm. missing each other we'll be back next week I don't know who's coming next week I've not looked um, Peter McCoy boom 
Mycology. Mm, my. So a massive one like this at Leisure Centre today. <laughs> like, like the size of a fucking coffee cup. You should have took a picture of it for him. I'll do it tomorrow, unless the kids have had it already. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll come back next week, eh? Mm. Yeah. Right. Wakanda forever. Yeah. Uh, praise Jablon. Epstein didn't McAfee himself. Mmm. Who'd you think you're out of? Ronnie Bickering! Who? Ronnie Bickering! Who? Ronnie Bickering! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! What did you do with Big Jungus? Anal swab test. How dare you! You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. Well, the thing is, what do you do? You caught between the devil and the rock at a half place. Grab his dick and twist it!